It takes more than accidentally making your build process self-aware to be a great software engineer. This is episode 282 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast, and I am your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is the weekly advice show about all the non-technical parts of the technical field of software development. I'm afraid I can't let you deploy that, Dave. (laughs) You thought soft skills was important for working with humans. Wait until it's important for working with your build system. Right. When it won't let you back into the pod bay. Yeah. (laughs) It it now has emotions and it's sad. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It saw you looking at, is it Basil? Oh, uh, Basil, Blaze, the Google one. Yeah. Yeah. It it knows. It feels fear. Oh, you Googled Basil, huh? Basil? It's yeah. Basil. Okay. That makes sense that I would say Basil then, if it's Basil. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the word conch or conch? Yes, the shell. Yes, the shell. I think I've said it many times on this show and certainly many times in real life. And this week I found out it is conch, not conch. Uh, I reject your reality. I say what? conch. Okay. Well. Oh, Google says both are Agreeing correct. with Dave is enough for me. <laughs> Google told me conch it did when you press the little speaker icon it says conch but if you look at the phonetic alphabet below the word it's got conch and conch listed oh carry on well i can't read that stuff okay okay good (laughs) i was right all along that's right i mean this is normally what happens when i think i have a brief moment of insight no 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 i was already right that's right you thought you were (laughs) wrong but you were mistaken yeah okay let's thank our patrons yes We want to say thank you to those first-time contributors who contributed at the amount where they get one-time shout-out. That is Juan Carlos Jara Loaisa. And then we have weekly shout-outs to Andrew Pollock, the Yeet Your Job podcast, Avery (laughs) Sturzy, Ian Walter, Arun Dunna, Kashakton, Ohio, Cameron Hall, Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, testingisdocumenting.org, FizzBuzz Influencer, Oladapa Fadiyi, Karen Svainson, Will Angel, Ragnar Hardison, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Keynes, John Grant, I Bought Winrar, Nick Kantar, and Philip John Basile. If you would like to join this crew, or just join our Slack community, or both, you can go to softskills.audio and click the Support Us on Patreon button where you can contribute any dollar amount that will ease your conscience for consuming this free content without paying for it (laughs) (laughs) it is the time of year to begin doing good deeds because you stopped doing them for the whole rest of the year (laughs) you don't want to use up all that yeah you don't want to use it all up right now right just the last two (laughs) weeks save it for december yeah there you go yeah and and a famously well-known area of good deeds is to donate money to podcasters that's right <laughs> oh it's okay if you, we don't actually want your money if you just feel guilty we don't want your money it's, 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 it's not gonna <laughs> make you payment enough for us yeah that's right keep <laughs> keep the guilt <laughs> yeah we would rather have we would rather have guilty listeners than money in our pockets <laughs> <laughs> after all isn't that what we would buy with the money anyway that's right cut out the middleman <laughs> I'm happy to report that the Yeet Your Job podcast does not, as of now, appear to be a thing. So there is a market. Oh, man. I'm sure you could buy the domain, corner the corner that market. Yeah, do it. And then acquire us eventually. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Should we read our questions? <laughs> yeah, go for it. All right. This is our first question from a listener named Raphael, who asks, 
If you've already been working at a company for several months, how do you set boundaries with your employer as to when during the day it is acceptable for them to contact you? What can you say to your employer or colleagues if they expect you to respond to correspondence at all times with a 30-minute turnaround? Can you adjust expectations after you have been working in the role for several months, or is it too late? Hmm. Is it too late? So I, my, my bad pattern is that I work more the longer I've been at a job, and I never, not never, but it, it's, yeah, rarely do I pull back, right? I, I start out with some amount of effort and input, and then I feel like it just slowly grows over time. So I can kind yeah. of feel this uh, pain of, of how, do you, how do you make your life more convenient in a way that the company might not expect you to. Yeah. Normally I quit. <laughs> Wait, that's out of character. <laughs> yeah, what do I do? You adjust expectations after you've been working in the role for several months. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You know, we live in a day where it's harder and harder to know when you're at work and when you're not. You know, I don't know if you, Jameson, you worked from home before it was cool. Before it was medically required. Right. <laughs> Yes. yes. Uh, I, I did as well, but only for about six months before it was medically required. Five-ish years, six-ish years. I don't know. Some amount of time. Did you find that in transitioning from office work to homework that it became harder for you to define when you were at work and when you were not? Absolutely. Before, if I had stayed late at work, it was a deliberate decision. It did not happen on accident usually. And okay. it, it's much easier for it to happen on accident now or, or to come in early on accident because it's so close. Yeah. The commute was the gatekeeper. But the, the flip side of that is that it's also easier for me to like turn off my notifications and take a nap during the middle of the day. Yes. Which would be harder to do in the office. Maybe. Unless I have one of those creepy pod sleep things. Right. But people would know you're in there. That's true. And yeah, <laughs> unless I didn't want them to ever be sure if I was in there or not. So there would always be either a dummy in the pod or a dummy <laughs> at my desk just to keep them on their toes. <laughs> it was just realistic enough that if you walked by the office and glanced through the glass, you would see what looked a lot like a real Jameson. <laughs> as long as you never tried to talk to me or interact with me in any yeah. way. Yeah. The dummy can type on Slack as well, so it's fine. <laughs> if I found myself in that situation, I would buy an infrared camera so that as I walked by, I could consult the camera to know mm. if you were emitting a uh, 98.6 degree Fahrenheit body temperature or not. Well, the only thing to do is get some real human blood to fill that dummy up with. <laughs> <laughs> you forced my hand. <laughs> and a liquid heater and pump. To keep it I either warm. need to kill one person or borrow a liter of blood from five people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And that's how you adjust their expectations. That's right. <laughs> question answered. The question is, do you have five friends who are really committed <laughs> to you? Do you have five friends who each have one extra liter of blood? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. So I'll take them off your hands. <laughs> let me take that extra blood off your hands. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Okay. How do I answer this question now? So I, I think the answer is it's never too late to set expectations for boundaries. 
because things in your life may change. Like I got sick, I had a child, I have a mental illness. I mean, there's just so many things that can change in a human being's life. Mm -hmm. Now is as good a time as any to set expectations about what your boundaries are. So are you saying things can change all the time? So therefore you will probably have something change that you can tell people to not oh. do this or just people are just expecting uh, it's it's fine to be different at work than you were before i was thinking the latter but i like the idea that you can just wait for something in your life to change so you have an excuse to bring this up <laughs> <laughs> look i know yeah. i know i used to respond 24 hours a day seven days a week within 30 minutes but last week i got a flat tire on my car and so now <laughs> i'm only going to work eight hours a day <laughs> I'm looking forward to my first child for a lot of reasons. And one of them <laughs> is that I can now wait more than 30 minutes before answering a text. Yeah, it's like it's like a health insurance where you have a qualifying life event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did I say life insurance? I meant to say health insurance. I don't know what I said. No, I think you said health insurance. Okay. Or if you said life insurance, my brain turned it into health insurance. Well, regardless, I just had a lapse in memory of what I said, which I think is a qualifying life event. <laughs> <laughs> I need to call my boss. Okay. I'll no longer be responding to your emails ever. Effective immediately. <laughs> I will no longer ever respond. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> what can you say to your employer or colleagues? So I I imagine that this is not a friendly to asynchronous communication culture if yep. everyone expects an immediate or within 30 minutes turnaround. At any time of day. Um, that that's, that's the part that kills crazy me. Crazy to me. Like expecting a 30 minute turnaround during normal working hours doesn't seem too bad to me. I mean depending on, you know, if you're getting if you're getting interrupted every 30 minutes it might be hard on your productivity but that doesn't seem bad, but expecting it at any hour of any day, that's bad. What do you think about the very sophisticated strategy of just don't answer? I don't like that. Why not? There, I just gave you an example. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second to, to figure that out. <laughs> Listen, editors, don't edit out that long gap. That was deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> okay or or you could you could just have like a let's see is this over text assuming it's on a a computer you can just have a snippet saved that says i'll get back to this when i'm back at work if you have to answer right if they're like bugging you over and over and over again yeah i feel like that probably will ruffle some feathers the first few times you do it Maybe this is like an emergency room doctor. Maybe we're looking at this wrong. Uh, yeah, They're like, yeah. <laughs> I got to respond to these pages all the time. <laughs> Don't they know I'm on my coffee break over here hanging out at the nurse's station just chatting with everybody? Yeah, you're probably not an ER doctor and it will probably wait until tomorrow. Let, so. let me just say that if there are any ER doctors listening to our show, I, I would recommend you stop immediately. The, the advice we give is probably life-threatening. <laughs> can you say to your employer or colleagues so here here is what i would do i would say okay speaking of qualifying life events i feel like you get several decades to use the pandemic as a qualifying life event okay <laughs> we're still deep in the middle of like i've been thinking and i'm going to do thing x because of the pandemic so 
you can say, I've been thinking a lot about my work-life balance. The pandemic has really shifted that. And I want to make sure that I'm fully present at work and fully present at home. So I'm going to have some stricter boundaries. If there's an emergency, then here's how you contact me. If it's not an emergency, I'll get to it when I come in in the morning. And then if you tell people ahead of time and then do that a few times, I, I feel like that would probably work. I don't know. I think, I think so. And then I, I think if you want to armor up on this thing, the first thing I would do is I would build a coalition with a bunch of my peers to see if they're all on the same page about communication expectations. I'll bet you yeah. that a lot of your peers are on the same page with you and they are just as dissatisfied with it as you are. And then hmm. once you have that, I would bring it forth with more of a unified voice to your leadership. And I would also say, I would couch it in terms of why this is beneficial to the company. Because it turns out developers who get interrupted every 30 minutes produce lower quality and lower velocity results. And so if you, if you all agree that there are non-interruption periods of time, uh, except for designated, you know, like there's going to be a designated person who's responsible for responding to fires and things at, at different times of, of the week, fine. Yeah. But, but if you all agree that there are designated don't interrupt the team times of day, I think you'll get better output from the team. And I think you could sell that to leadership. Yeah. So that that's more about focus time during the workday, even less less about interrupting your non-working hours. Which yeah. Makes sense. That's true. And that's a that's another uh, direction I think we could take this question is we could say, okay, let's assume that this is not about outside office hours. It's just about the 30-minute turnaround in office hours, which actually I think is, is a possibility. That's what the question asker meant. Um, and that's mm. how I would sell that. The, the selling outside office hours response times, that's easy. You just say, look, you are paying me for, you're not paying me for 24-7 support. If you wanted 24-7 support, I would have negotiated about a double my salary because you're asking me to do like three times more hours of availability. Yeah. And you've already provided them a discount, which is a good negotiation technique. Right. <laughs> so maybe they'll just say yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just got a double pay raise. All I got to do is be available 24 hours every day, every day of the week. <laughs> totally achievable. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's how I would approach it um, is I would say, look, I think we should all establish a culture of whether, you know, what are our response time service level objectives internally? So at my employer, uh, a few folks got together to try to address this problem. We're about 30 software engineers right now. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of at this phase where meetings start to crop up if, if left untended. Uh -huh. And the schedules of engineers was getting pretty regularly broken up by these recurring meetings, not just one-off ones. Yeah. And so a couple of folks got in a room and, and tried to design a calendar that grouped all the recurring meetings into a consistent time block, sort of in the middle-ish of the day. Uh -huh. And no other recurring meetings for engineers were outside of that time. And I was a kind of skeptical at first because I have low empathy and I thought, well, I'm in meetings <laughs> all day, so I don't care. <laughs> you should all suffer like yeah. I do. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's just been too long since long periods of focus time were available yeah. to you. I, I had low empathy. That's <laughs> yeah. the summary. Okay. So you're just, just to be clear, you're not saying you had deliberately low empathy. You just didn't have the frame of mind that was. I did not have the problem. Right. No, I've, right. I've gone to the dark side long. I just don't want anyone ago. to think you're not an empathetic person generally. Yes. Putting the pathetic and empathetic. <laughs> it, it worked really well. There was a little bit of hiccup. There, there was a small number of hiccups. There were some hiccups got it the third time because there were meetings that were pretty important to people and it took a, a little bit to kind of shake out what meetings we really wanted to keep and what we could shrink 
But I think we landed in a place where in general engineers have more focus time now. And we have something we can point to to kind of defend it if it starts to get reduced again. Does it help your team reduce the amount of uh, interruptions knowing that there's designated time every day where you can all come together? I think so. Yeah. That's pretty cool. There's still plenty of collaboration and people tapping each other on the shoulder to work together and answer questions. But we, we used to have our meeting schedule used to be path dependent. Someone put a meeting on four years ago, and then three years ago, someone added another another meeting that depended on what people's schedules were the week they added it, and it just turned into this, this uh, unoptimized thing. I don't know how well that scales. If, if you're a super large company, then it, the answer is it doesn't. But if you have a small enough group or you can get enough agreement on timing and, and what to cut, then that might be an option to try. Very cool. I agree. Have we answered the question? I think so. Good luck. Go form a coalition and get your 30-minute response time increased to 35 minutes. Show up at 5.01 at their office, right before they're about to leave, or at their house. Okay. Do you want to read our next question, Dave? Yes, I do. Okay. We have a question from an anonymous listener who says, hi, do you see any benefits to being a junior developer? Any advice you would give to a junior like, hey, do this while you're still junior. Once you're a senior, plus it might be harder to find time for it. Oh, that's a great question. The, the way I first read this question was, do you see any benefits of being a junior developer? Because I think I want to go back to that. <laughs> I feel like everybody has those thoughts sometime. What if I was, remember the the simpler days so here are the benefits I, I remember from being a junior developer. I had much better hair. <laughs> I had a better metabolism, was in better shape. Okay. <laughs> My mind was more agile, less prone to forgetting things and getting stuck. I knew more about what music was popular in culture. <laughs> Jeez. So these are all things that were fantastic about being a junior developer. Okay. <laughs> Which may or may not apply to other junior developers. You know, it's not a universal <laughs> experience, depending on when you started this career. Very true. I mean, the, the obvious one is like, write code. Yeah, you get to <laughs> actually like. write code. Yeah, you get to... That, that was the time I wrote the most code in my career was Oh, the yeah, beginning. absolutely. I could write hundreds of lines of code a day back then. Yeah, and it was great. I also... One other thing that was really nice was... I think I've talked about this before on the show... To some extent, learning the popular technology of the day was easier because I didn't have any preconceived notion of how stuff worked. Ah, so I wasn't yes. trying to fit it in with, is this a good idea or not? It was just, this is just how it's, of course it's computers a good idea. work. It's yeah, new. Why else, would, why else would they have done it this way yes. if it wasn't a good idea? <laughs> I, I, so I totally resonate with that. Like you didn't have all this baggage of, yeah, I remember the last five supposed good ideas that burned me yeah <laughs> now yeah. nothing is good <laughs> yeah so you're less exactly. you're less jaded i think so enjoy being not so jaded and burned by someone else's alleged good idea that ruins your life <laughs> <laughs> well you're still a junior oh man here's one for you enjoy the time when you are solving problems defined by others with solutions defined by others man so much pressure off your shoulders to just do what other people say. Ah, oh, it just feels so good. Instead of, having, instead of having to be the person to figure out the problems, figure out the solutions, and then communicate that to other people, that's more of a senior role. Just be the one who gets to say, yeah, I'll do that, and then do the thing you're told to do. Mm, delicious. 
Hmm. It's like a vacation. Hmm. Any advice you would give to a junior? Maybe this is related to your advice, but there, there, there can be lower expectations, which can be nice sometimes and can make it easier, separate from the less kind of baggage to work through to learn new things. There's also less of a cost for you to switch on to something else. Yeah. So you might get to play around with a bunch of different stuff. If, if someone is a deep domain expert in embedded systems, they're most likely not going to shift over to work on the front end. That's right. You don't, you don't have the sunk cost fallacy working on you. Yeah. Yeah. Which, if you want to try a bunch of things, can be beneficial. If you do want to just focus really deeply on something, I guess that doesn't work. But it's nice to be exposed to a, a broad array of things. When I was a junior developer, I think it was about 375 years ago, about, <laughs> give or take, a few decades. I had a lot of side projects. And I think it's because I, my work That's was just point. fun and I didn't feel a heavy burden or pressure. I just enjoyed it. And so I still had mental energy before and after work where I could do fun side projects. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard for me to untangle that from kind of life changes and age, but I definitely had the same thing of, of was very excited about learning and building stuff at home. It's been a while. <laughs> been yeah. a while since yeah. I've cranked out some home code. Home code. It's like homeschool, yeah. but for code. I, I feel the same way. Like I think a lot of our answers are going to be tangled up with that. It is hard to it's hard to divest the life stage from the career stage. I saw a tweet the other day. Have you seen that image of Mr. Rogers drawing? And he says, I'm not very good at it, but it doesn't matter. It's the fun of doing it that's important, no matter how anybody says it. It feels so good to have made something. And he's drawing this like crayon stick figure drawing. And someone retweeted it and said, engineering managers doing advent of code. And that <laughs> resonated. <laughs> like, yeah, this might be bad code. But boy, sometimes it feels good. Yeah. <laughs> Don't judge my code. What else would you do if you're a junior? Um, here, here's one. You can get away with asking questions on basic concepts to more senior people that more senior people feel embarrassed to ask about. Mm. So leverage that by asking lots and lots of questions. Yeah. Imagine my shame when I ask tomorrow, wait, it's not pronounced big oo? <laughs> big oo <oo-notation>? notation? <laughs> but you, you will be seen as a go-getter. That's right. Eager to learn. That's right. Also, I think there's such low expectations on junior. I, I just remember feeling like a hero as a junior developer when I got anything done. It was like, <laughs> it was like, oh, you you fixed the bug and you built a new thing. Like, way, way to go. You didn't just break it more? Right. Nice. Wow. <laughs> Great job. So I, I would say kind of bask in that, you know, low expectations, high delivery, sets you up for feeling really good and try not to take all of this to mean to, to feel dread about your future <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's great lots of great things about being a junior lots of great things about being more senior yeah oh there's another good another good thing about being junior is that your salary will increase at uh, at a rate that is higher than when you are more senior so you can look forward to pay increases that's an interesting way of looking at being, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily underpaid if you're early in your career. Yeah. You do definitely make less money, though. 
You make less, but it moves up faster. Yes. Yes, it does. I mean, maybe that's true. I've seen some pretty crazy numbers. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Once you're a senior plus, it might be harder to do or find time for it. Okay, here's one. I think it is probably easier to just decide what to do and then do it. Well, now that I'm saying this, maybe I'm wrong. No, yeah, I disagree with that. I think uh, you're more beholden to the opinions of others. And you just kind of have to do things. Yeah, you just have to do things the way the team does them or the way your senior or tech lead tells you to do them. Okay, that's true. And you have less clout. Like, you can't just chime in on a PR and be like, change it to this way and have everyone be like, right away. You know, you have to. Yeah. It's hard. That's actually, there's a lot of challenges of being a junior engineer. And I think that's one of them. And another advantage is you can you can job hop more as a junior developer and it's not frowned upon. When, when I join a company, I'm in it for years because I feel like the, the kinds of impacts I want to make take a lot longer at this stage of my career than they do for a junior developer. If I'm there, I could stay mm. at a job. as a Like, let's say it's my first software job. I could stay eight to 12 months and then hop and try something brand new. So you can kind of embrace the variety that comes from being able to change jobs a lot when you're more junior. Yeah, that's a good point. Or move teams too, you know, if you want to stay at the same job and have more variety. Another, this might be related to your earlier point of low expectations, but I feel like junior developers who seem to have a, a high trajectory are, are, it's really fun to be around them, right? By the time you're kind of a senior developer, if you're, even if you're great, there's some sense that maybe your, your growth trajectory has slowed down a bit, but just really early developers who you can tell are, are great already as junior developers and will become even better. It's really fun to be one of those. So I guess I'm just saying it's awesome to be really good. <laughs> That's not very helpful. I don't think I was one of those, but I've been around them. Yeah. I don't know. I'm out of things. Me, me too. But this sounds like the kind of thing where we could have people chime in who have just yeah. kind of completed the transition out of the junior moniker and, and consider themselves a little bit more mid-level or senior. I'd love to hear, you know, what are the things you miss? Because it's been a long time for me. Yeah, I'm sure I'm forgetting cool stuff. I've forgotten more about being junior than you ever do, Sonny. Uh, this really has taken on a big old man yells a yells cloud, a cloud mm -hmm. vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back in my day. Uh, okay. Well, have we answered the question? I think so. It's uh, it's good to be junior. Lean into it. Yeah. G good luck. Enjoy it. Yeah. And you'll be great at it. Yeah. You. Of course you will. I mean, look at this question you asked. It's amazing. I mean, I, I have very low expectations for questions from junior engineers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about other people that want to ask questions? What if they want to check and see if they meet your low expectations? <laughs> All they have to do. Oh, that was a beautiful tee up. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, does he want me to answer? Oh, you want me to tell people how to ask a question. Oh, boy. That was beautiful. What Very well teed up. Thank you. Let's just spend the rest of the show talking about how smooth of a transition that was <laughs> to just wreck the transition. Tradition. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. if you want to ask your own question, go to softskills.audio and click the Ask a Question button where you can fill out our form. And as always, we want to express a heartfelt thank you to everyone who takes the time to write questions, even the more senior engineers whose grammar we criticize quite sharply. Thank you to you for doing that. And that's all I have to say about that. And yes, I'm thank a, I'm so a senior podcaster and I still can't get that out. <laughs> all I can do is say we'll catch you next week. Bye.